Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited, a British psychic medium offers proof of life after death. And I said that you always kept in your pocket a packet of um, uh, pear drops, I said to her. You know, you keep pear drops. Specifically, you would buy those to put them in your pocket and give one to Diana because she always used to come up to you and say, have you got a pear drop? But that was very specific proof to that person that it was Diana. It was something that couldn't be read in the press, so it's verifiable. This podcast is brought to you by Logo Creator 7 Software. These days, it's more important than ever to have a good image, especially if you have a small business or you sell stuff online or just post on social media. But quality graphics can cost money, and advanced software like Photoshop takes time to learn. That's why I want to tell you about some amazing piece of software called Creator 7. Creator 7 is so easy to use, yet it lets you create super-looking logos, business cards, character mascots, you name it, in just minutes. Whatever you create is going to look really cool and very impressive, believe me. Creator 7 comes with hundreds of ready-made templates. Just click and drag to make changes, and instantly you have really impressive graphics right on your computer. Some clever folks have even ordered the Creator 7 software to start their own logo-making business, creating and selling logos and graphics for a profit. That's how good it is, but you won't believe the price. Creator 7 creates beautiful logos and designs right on your computer and works on either PC or Mac, and right now it's available at an amazing price. To see it in action, just visit radioshowlogo.com that's radioshowlogo.com radioshowlogo.com Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres pursuing the truth wherever it leads exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Just finished trimming my tiny little Christmas tree that's sitting on a table in one of the corners here in my little studio beneath the stairs. It's so cute. It's about 18 inches high. But I'm having trouble with the star. It's a little too heavy when I try to put it on top of the tree and the poor thing keeps doubling over. Sort of reminds me of Oswald during the prison transfer. Ouch. But in all seriousness, I want to wish you all a very merry, blessed, and joyous Christmas. Chala Christu Yana from me, the mighty Aphrodite, and our twins, North and Zach. Here we are, Christmas Day. I thought I'd offer up something a little less intense today. We'll put the deep state and the new world order aside, at least for one day. Christmas really is, is a time to be uplifted. And, and what could be more uplifting than a discussion revolving around evidence for life after death, proof 
perhaps, that our consciousness survives physical death. And my guest on this episode of Conspiracy Unlimited has debated the likes of renowned atheist Richard Dawkins on this very topic. Craig Hamilton Parker is a British author, television personality, and professional psychic medium. He's best known for his TV shows, Our Psychic Family, The Spirit of Diana, and Nightmares Decoded. On television, he often works with his wife, Jane Hamilton Parker, who's also a psychic medium. Craig was born in Southampton, UK, and says he was convinced at an early age that he was mediumistic. He became a well-known medium within spiritualism and in 1994 left his job as an advertising executive to become the resident psychic on Channel 4 Television's The Big Breakfast, making predictions for upcoming news stories. He wrote a regular psychic advice column for the Scottish Daily Record and regular features for the Daily Mail, Sunday Mirror, and The People. He is the author of 15 books in the psychic genre. Craig Hamilton Parker, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Hi, Richard. I'm okay. I've got a bit of a cough, so occasionally I might... um uh, cough a bit, but apart from that, I'm feeling fine. Thank Wonderful. You. Well, uh, tis the season for colds and flus. I, I have to start by commending you on your domain name. Uh, for you to, to land a, a domain name, particularly one with one word, psychics.co.uk, uh, you know, well played, my friend. Yes, I got into the internet very early on, about 1996 or before, I think. And uh, you could just pick whatever domain you wanted. And uh, that was available as well as so many others. But um, yes, it's been with me and I've been using that psychics.co.uk for a long time and built a community there. Um, lots of articles on it. And um, yeah, it's it changed my life, really, the Internet. I want to I want to talk about your your predictions. I, I've seen them on YouTube and I have to commend you. One of the things that you do when you're giving your predictions that I like is when you when you get something wrong, you 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 actually point that out immediately. Uh, you don't try and sort of shoehorn your prediction so that it that it fits what actually happened. You say, well, no, I was off on that one or I got that one wrong. But uh, but this part was right and so forth. So first of all, I just wanted to say that from the from the outset that I commend you for for, uh, you know, calling yourself out when you get something wrong. Yeah, well, we're all fallible. Um, and, you know, sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. But if you get some things that are really interesting on target, um, I think that can make people think about whether we can predict the future. Right. And when when you're wrong and you say you're wrong, it, it only adds to your credibility as far as I'm concerned. Well, yeah, unless I got all of it wrong, <laughs> then I look a bit of a fool. But, of course, you know, uh, you know I think if you're scoring – um, targeted hits about predictions of the future that you know nobody could have sort of known and are kind of a bit left field sometimes you know um, then I think it makes people think a bit you know you know can we really see the future you know and I think we all can to a point but um, you know I, a lot of psychics you know make lots of claims about seeing everything and when they get something wrong they they just hide it away i mean some make thousands of predictions and then take one or two say i've oh, got that right got that right got that right but ignore all the multitude of predictions that weren't right so you know you've got to be up front this is what i got right this is what i got wrong and you know judge for yourself well let's let's uh, go back to 2015 you made some some uh, startling predictions and one had to do uh with the current occupant of the White House in the United States, 
Donald J. Trump. So what was it? When did the prediction come to you? Or when did the, the vision, I guess, come to you? And what is it that you actually uh, foretold regarding Trump? Well, I, I, I saw... Um, I saw Trump. I saw Trump in the White House way before people were really talking about it, and um, it just it just came to me. I made a whole list of predictions at the time, and I, you know, every now and again, when you sit down and you you do these predictions, sometimes you think, oh, that's just that's just crazy. You know, that can't be true. But I have to do go with what I feel, and even though it might seem completely um, bonkers. Um, Sometimes they just they just happen to be right. You know, they it comes to me, you know, like, in a, I sit down in meditation to do this and, and it comes like a stream of images. I mean, a lot of people get when you're going to sleep, you know, you get some people and I get this a lot. You get a whole big stream of pictures and images that are sort of are like a dream, but they're just all coming up into your into this screen of your awareness. And I just pick them out, as it were, as they come along. I think that's not really my thoughts, you know. What's that one? And what's that one? And it's like things come out of the blue. You write them down quickly before you forget them. And and there they are. That's my predictions. And the less you think about it, the more likely they are to be from that sort of deeper intuition. Well, the, the other very impressive uh, one was the Brexit vote, because all the polls, much like with Trump, all the polls were indicating... Uh, there would be um, a vote to st- for for Britain to stay in the EU, uh, and you called for for Brexit, correct? Yeah, right. When everybody was completely saying it's never going to happen, and I just thought, no, it's going to happen. And not only is it going to happen, I gave a whole series of other predictions around that. <coughs> There's the cough, and um, yes, it, it it just came to me again, and I predicted that and a number of other things against the odds that were all happening. All, all came to pass, you know. I mean, there was things such as I predicted the Arab Spring before it happened. I predicted the Nice attacks. Um, I predicted the French attacks in the Charlie attacks in Paris. Um, there was uh, oh, there's just so many, and uh, there was so many and unusual things sometimes, you know, that just seemed completely crazy, you know. And, and each and recently about Harry getting married, you know, that one came up just recently. Yes. Um, you know, I, they, they, there's lots of them came to me, and I suppose, and then I, I just got thought, oh, I'll, you know, I put them on my website, and then I thought, well, I'll make a little video about it, you know, and then the press picked up on it, and and now it's been all over the world. I've been doing interviews with Russian television, South Korean television, because there was a number of things I'd made about, I said about what would happen in North Korea and uh, New Zealand and uh, all over. Uh, it, it went viral, as they say. And um, yeah, it surprised me, really, that it would happen like that. But, um, you know, I, we might talk about this later, but certain things in my life were predicted that sort of came about and these, making these predictions is part of it. Ah, that would be the uh, the oracle in India. We will we will talk about that if that's what you're referring to. Um, yeah. But I wanted to ask you, going back to the, the terror attacks, for example, uh, and and understandably, intelligence organizations and and police they they choose by and large to ignore uh, these types of warnings that come from from psychics because it's difficult for them to sort of separate the wheat from the chaff and they'd be you know their resources are already stretched if they started go chasing you know all of these different leads you know they'd never get anything done but when you have a, such an established record and and you have such credibility uh, do you have any 
sort of um, uh, entry into uh, intelligence or police? In other words, will they listen to you? Um, It is policy here in the UK um, not to take on board official policy, not to take on board things that psychics say. I mean, the only situation I had with that, because my main work, I mean, we're talking here about predictions, but my main work through life has been as a medium, giving proof of life after death. Yes. And there was one interesting instance that happened with that, because um, I gave someone a reading about someone that had been killed, and I told him about this killing and so forth. And there was facts in it that, you know, shook the guy. And then he asked if his friend could come and have a reading, and could we try to connect with this person again? And I went through this thing and started to describe this murder about how the person had been killed, how they'd been pulled back up the stairs and put into a bath, and how and I described the cars that were involved, the people that were involved, the woman that was involved in it as well, a whole load of things. And the person that sat with him, who I didn't know, turns out to be a police officer, right? <laughs> uh, and he, was, he, he absolutely nearly dropped dead when I started saying these things because he said there was no way you could know this because none of this was in the in the in any of the releases that we gave to the paper or anything i was kind of almost a suspect and i finished by saying and you're the guy that put this guy in prison the same guy that you're suspecting is the murder you know as so officially they can't do anything in that case that was the only real really interesting one that i think i've really had with the police in my life but um you know, it, it, they, they couldn't take it on board all the time because this well-meaning, intuitive people might try to send them all sorts of information, but it, it, they, they'd be chasing wild gooses all the time. So I don't blame the police. I mean, I wouldn't if I was the police. Mind you, I was taught by a police officer, actually, to become a medium. Oh, is that right? Interesting. Yeah, it was. Yeah, a police sergeant. You know, who would have thought that, you know, because when I, when I first got into this sort of work you know I, it, 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 this is going a long, long way back you know this when I was in I'm in the 60s now but I was talking about in my early 20s and there was a medium over here called Doris Stokes who was a very famous medium at the time people have forgotten about her now but she's a lovely lady and she told me that I'd be working as a medium and she told me the day I'd meet my future wife Jane which all happened exactly as it happened and um uh, then after, soon after that, I met this. I went to see another medium. This is the only second time I've ever seen a medium. And he said, "You're the person who's going to sit in my circle to become a medium." And that's when you know I was working as an advertising executive and things. And I and I had to give all that up to become a medium, as he told me. It all happened exactly as he said. And to, in, and a police officer, he was very very strict. He would insist that we give evidence. You know, we don't just give a load of guesswork it has to be evidential and i've applied that to everything i do from mediumship to predictions you have to give real verifiable proof or it's of no worth to anybody exactly exactly you were talking about a proof of a life after death and i wanted that to go back back to yes. uh, 2007 in a, in a tv show uh, i think it was on channel four called enemies of reason and you were paired up with None other than biologist uh, Richard Dawkins, a uh, famous uh, atheist uh, and materialist, as I guess is the best word to describe him. Uh, and I just wanted to get a sense of how, how that experience was for you, because Dawkins is kind of a, does cut kind of an intimidating figure. 
uh, excellent debater. I mean, I don't agree with him. Uh, how was that experience for you? And, and well, they call him the rock. <laughs> yes, they call him the rock violent, don't they? He is he is quite a rock violent when it comes to going on the attack. I personally, I liked the man. You know, I liked the man as a person. I mean, I don't agree with what he says, but I liked his. I I, I think I like his honesty about things. I like his realism, but. The problem with the sceptical argument is it cannot see beyond the objective world. The objective world to them is the all and everything. And that can only be proved through maths and science and those sort of things. But this whole world that we're interested in is the world of consciousness, the subjective world, the world of other realities, perhaps. And Dawkins cannot grasp that. We had a really good debate on camera and off camera. In fact, some of the rushes of, of the film, that's the, that's the bits that are uncut, right. were put onto the Internet so people can actually see the real arguments that took place. Um, he was close to being convinced because I, I talked to that man on his level. I talked to him about Russell Wallace, for example, who was the biologist who um, almost um, trumped uh, Dawkins. Uh, uh, Darwin, you know, he had the theory before Darwin came along, but uh, Wallace was actually a spiritualist. You know, I said, well, the one of the, the greatest scientists of all time was the <laughs> greatest biologist who could have been there before um, Darwin um, with with the theory of evolution. He was actually a spiritualist, you know, so we had quite some interesting arguments. He was a difficult man to deal with, obviously, but I think he I think he had a admiration of the fact that you know i would actually have a proper argument with him and didn't just try to hide in belief systems and that's what he attacks he attacks people that um always fall back on beliefs and actually beliefs when you think about it are worthless he's right with that respect we have to have direct personal experience and then we know it's not a belief we know it's a reality Craig Hamilton Parker uh, is with me, psychic medium from the UK. Uh, his wife, Jane, was to join us. Unfortunately, she's feeling a little under the weather, but we wish her well. Uh, we were talking about your, your debate with uh, the great Richard Dawkins um, on a, um, a television show called, um, is it Enemies of Reason? Enemies of Reason, yeah. And uh, I, I wanted to talk to you about, what do you say, I mean, not necessarily to Dawkins, but what would you say to the average uh, person on the street who doesn't believe that consciousness survives a physical death? Uh, how, what would you, would you cite a, a particular case, or would you talk about photographic evidence, like in your book, Phantoms on Film? What would you say to them? Well, I think you've got to look at the evidence as a whole. I think the way to look at it is um, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, a legal brain or anything, but the way it would be presented in a court would be to take the evidence and to look at what evidence we have. And the evidence you think about it, uh, the life after death. Okay, there's the work of mediums. Now, mediums give a lot of evidence, which some say, oh, it's a bit subjective and things like that. But there's a huge, when you look at the, 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 the history of it, there's a huge amount of evidential, verifiable proof that comes through mediums. And then you look at also things like dreams that ordinary people have and dreams of the dead for example in which you you you, you get you get messages through a dream that that turn out to be to have some proof to it or you take the experiences of people that have had near-death experiences in which they've died on the operating table they've described another world where their consciousness has survived and been active even though their brain is 
completely switched off and not capable of having any form of experience. And you, you take you know, this, this so, and then you, you've got all the other things such as table tilting and Ouija boards and, and uh, ghost pictures and, and so on and so forth. There's, there's a vast amount. But, so if you take all that evidence as a whole, the whole lot is suggestive that there's life after death. It can't be done with something in, in the same way that you might at this point in time be able to prove it mathematically or scientifically. You're talking here about human experience. And although human experience can sometimes, you know, be deluded and be wrong, it, human testimony can actually hang someone in a court of law. You know, so we can use that, I feel, that 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 uh, lodestone of working out how to prove these things by looking purely at the amount of evidence we have. And that evidence, I would say, is not only suggestive that there's life after death, it's actually it's fundamental proof that there's life after death, you know? And it would take a fall to say that it's not because a skeptical mind would deny, 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 and find try, and sometimes find such convoluted ways to throw this evidence out that actually, you know, they're wrong. It, the simple answer is there's life after death. That's it. You know, we are conscious beings, and our consciousness survives physical death. It seems natural too, really. Yes, the way evolution must work. Surely, it's, it is. It's it's the way of nature: uh, rejuvenation, recycle, rebirth. Uh, why should that be limited to the you know the plant kingdom and so forth? Uh, and then you also have to yeah. ask yourself: you know, who is this person that's that's continuing after death? You know, what is this? I, this sense of self, you know, where does it exist? We can't point to where consciousness is in the brain. We can cut different bits out of the brain and the person is still conscious. The person still has a sense of I-ness, of me-ness. And perhaps we exist, if we look at it on a material physical way perhaps we exist in the in the quantum world perhaps we you know we're one step before this material reality that our consciousness is simply a field within the quantum field and when the physical body felt falls away that consciousness is still there just as it ever was i'm trying to remember the uh, the name of this film i think it was called 24 24 and it and it, it had to do with the weight the supposed weight of the human soul, 24 grams. Yeah, there's something and, I remember vaguely, yeah. And the idea was that, that uh, the, the human body weighs less dead than it did, does while, while it's alive, and I suppose there are all sorts of more prosaic reasons why it would weigh more uh, after physical death. But what do you think happens to the soul immediately following death? Uh, well, uh I think it's different for every person in a way because, you know, our, our consciousness has a weight in a way, like you were talking there. You know, uh, the, an ant has a consciousness and I have a consciousness. But if I tried to put my consciousness into an ant, that ant's brain would explode. It's like, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, well, hopefully, <laughs> compared to me. You know. But um, we have a certain quality to our conscious we know we have a certain amount of consciousness as it were you know and when we pass into the next world each of us is 
going to perceive it according to what our understanding of reality is. So some people will go into the next world and I'm sure they will see and live in a world that is very similar to the world we live in now with a material type of existence. And there will be others who will be able to accept a more abstract state of consciousness because they've perhaps in meditation and things like this entered higher states of consciousness. So just as <coughs> in this material world, people are on different levels of consciousness. I'm on a different level of consciousness to the consciousness of the ant I just described. We're, we're experiencing the same reality in different ways. But in the spirit world, I think it's much the same. So in a way... It's a little bit like we have in a dream, in that a dream is fluid and, 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 and malleable. And so I think the, the spirit world is kind of can be like the reality we know, but it can also be something completely different. Because if it's like I talked about earlier, it's like, like the quantum world or something, um, time would be different. You know, things may happen all at once. That would be something we've been capable of understanding at the moment. And I'm sure that the, the, the nature of it is beyond human comprehension. But the closest I think that we can understand it is something like a beautiful version of this world. And that it's a, but it, because it's like a dream, a, a, a lucid, fully awake, brilliant dream. And, you know, we will experience ourselves, really, because this world around us now is actually a reflection of ourselves you know, you think about it, it's just a picture inside our brains, isn't it? It's all being generated by chemistry in our brains. Right. So the next world, I think, is much the same. It's generated by ourselves. Interesting. I, I always say to my children who are, like a lot of children, forever stuck in front of a computer screen, and I say, go outside, the graphics are much better. So <laughs> I think in, so in, the, in the next world, the graphics perhaps will be much better. We, we hear about the, you know, the saturation and the colors just being beyond a description and so forth. I hope it's like that. I believe it is. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, speaking of, of uh, life after death and evidence for life after death, your book, Phantoms on Film. Uh, tell me about uh, how you researched that book and, and uh, what's, what sort of pictures are in that book. Oh, that was a, that was a book I, I I write some columns for some of the newspapers where people send their photographs and ask me to do an analysis of them and say you know what what, what is this a real ghost picture? <coughs> I have to be honest though that most of the time the things I see are explainable. You know, orbs for example. There's been a whole. Um, mania about these orbs, you know, which are like little dots of light that appear in photographs. Well, these started coming about when um, digital cameras came into use. And because they have such a very short focal length, it means that any moisture or dust can be caught on, on the camera focus and appear to be something that looks like a spot of light in a, in a photograph. So that, that book particularly came from um, the articles I was writing where people were sending in there. So sometimes, though, some weird things come where you think, I can't explain that by all the photographic knowledge I have because I've, I've worked a lot in film. I've worked a lot in photography and when I had my advertising agency in the distant past, and I make movies now with, with my friends. So um, I, know, I know enough about it to know what's real and what's not. Um, but sometimes I think, mm, I can't explain that. So the photographs in Phantoms on Film, are these ones that you personally couldn't explain? 
uh, some of them and some of them I can explain. And I think it's important to sort of learn to distinguish. It's no good just putting all the unexplainable pictures in there. Um, it's important also to shape ones that really do look like there's something weird, but actually can be explained. And then when you see it, you think, ah, I see. Yeah, of course it is. But you don't see that until you've um, looked closely. Well, here's something else that you should look at closely, finding a world-class website host. And if you're looking for one at a fair price, let me tell you about Pair Networks. They host hundreds of thousands of websites. And why do I recommend them? It's real simple. They set the standard for excellence with a technical support staff that's second to none. And they, their support team, they respond so quickly. They always give straight answers. That's important to me. Plus, they have top-of-the-line technology. And that's why Pair Networks offers total reliability for your website with a money-back guarantee. So whether you're a professional web designer, a busy web marketer, or you're just getting a site online, Pair Networks has a web hosting plan that's right for you. Log on and learn more at Pair.com. Let me spell it out for you. P-A-I-R.com. P-A-I-R.com. Pair Networks. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again. I don't know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Psychic medium Craig Hamilton Parker is with me on Conspiracy Unlimited. England has been home to a number of um, high-profile manifestation mediums. Where where are you in that whole uh, debate about uh, manifestation mediums? Uh, are, they, well, are they legit? Some. Um, I, in my last, in my most recent book, which is called Mystic Journey to India, I actually have a, a chapter in there that describes when, what happened to Jane and I when we came back from India. And I went to see a, two physical mediums who were supposed to be, you know, the most marvelous people on earth. And frankly, I, I came away really, really angry because, I mean, people were... T- sucking this up and thinking it's all it's all real it's all real it's all but i could easily explain what was happening it was just pure trickery this one was i mean there was this guy was um it's it's taking a long time to explain it really in the time we got but basically uh, it was all done in the dark and we were we were all frisked to make sure we had no metal on us Okay, but really what it should be is the medium shouldn't have any metal on him because in a physical medium, the metal can be damaging to the medium, Um, but not the person, you know. And some of these guys were caught out recently. There's been a whole lot over here in the UK where um, some of the spiritualists actually put a secret nighttime vision camera in on some of these physical mediums and caught them doing the same old tricks again. Now, that doesn't mean to say that physical mediumship's not true. But nowadays we have the means to put a night vision camera in those rooms. And as soon as it seems like as soon as you do that, um, the so-called physical mediums that get it a lot of the time say, oh, well, I'm only do-, they only start doing just trance. And I think, well, you know, what's going on here? Why can you not do it now? You can only do the trance. Oh, conditions aren't quite right with cameras. No, that's a load of nonsense, if you ask me. <laughs> Well, uh, again, you know, you're a, a skeptical perspective from a believer. So that, to me, again, adds adds credibility. So now, uh, I've seen physical mediumship, though. I have seen yeah. it with my own eyes. Legitimate, I've seen right. things that are completely okay. impossible to explain. But so, you know. 
But do, then there's a lot of frauds at the moment, so beware. But but the real ones, this is intriguing. So they're producing ectoplasm or ectoplasm, not they're producing it, but, but ectoplasm is coming out of them or <coughs> what have you seen? Well, the the most in, incredible thing was what Jane and I saw once on on our own. Actually, we were we were we were about to do a ghost hunt. Actually, well, we're not a ghost hunt, a ghost clearance. Someone had a haunted a house, which uh, a boat actually that was um, haunted, and they were getting poltergeist activity on there. And the night before we were to go and do that, Jane and I was were, were laid in bed actually. And this ball of light appeared in the middle of the room. Now, you know, okay, a ball of light could it be a retina flash or something like or ball lightning or lightning from outside. It was not. It was something that sat in the middle of the room, tangible as can be. We both sat bolt upright in bed looking at this thing. It was just a ball of shimmering light. And then it literally bounced around the room. And I jumped out of bed to try to grab it. And it bounced all around the room and literally ate the open door. And I ran after it. You know, and but that was just so tangible. It was a brilliant ball of like it had form. It had it, it was full of glittery. It shimmered, you know, and this we felt we weren't sure what it was. We weren't sure if it was some angelic force that was helping us for the next day. You know, because it was a good feeling, although the whole atmosphere was electric. Uh, or whether we, we thought it could have even been because at the similar sort of time, Jane fell pregnant. So it could have been the. Ah. the coming of the spirit of our daughter at that time we don't know um but it was amazing but the next day we had we had an incredible experience where we witnessed some poltergeist activity happening around it on this boat things were flying across the room when we went in with this other medium because this, we were quite young we just met at that time um things were flying all over the place the actual medium that was with us freaked out you know oh, I, can't she, she, <laughs> I didn't sign up for this <laughs> it was funny but you know i mean i mean it was amazing at the same time you know we were actually seeing poltergeist activity so you know there's two examples that you know but i i, I would love to have had it on camera you know but you know it, it, it was not to be but um that is a personal experience, and I'm sure other people have had those type of experiences. And, of course, you, I've spoken to people. There was a great medium over here called Gordon Higginson that used to produce ectoplasm. Oh, did you witness ectoplasm, or what did you see? No, I, I didn't witness it myself. That was a problem. But I, what, um, I, I've known people that I knew extremely well you know intelligent people people from mensa for example i knew one of the women who sat with gordon higginson and actually saw her mother appear in the room and this was no this this person was no um no fool you know so yeah so just basically concluding what we were talking about before you know although i've often i've seen a lot of real frauds with physical mediumship um there are very very rare but occasionally um genuine mediums that can produce this ectoplasm we described I want to go back now to 2003 and uh, the spirit of Diana, this uh, TV special seen by something like 30 million people the world over. But I believe it was banned in, in Great Britain, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a lot of trouble with it. Um, excuse me. Um, we were asked by an Australian program. We, we, we could take part in a program called Spirit of Diana in which we um, were asked to see if we could communicate with the spirit of Diana. Now, I said, well, you can't just pull Diana out there, Etheric, you know. You have to sit with people that knew her really, really well, you know, well enough that there would be like an emotional link, that there would be enough, you know, they weren't just fans. 
friends or newspaper people or people that knew a lot about her. They had to be people that really knew her so they could get some of this, what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, evidence, proof, you know. You can't just sort of say, I've got Diana or I've got JFK or I've got um, Elvis. You know, it, it's got to be proven. So they said, well, we, we want to go ahead with this. We'd like to do it. Um, what's your fee? I said, well, you're not going to take a fee for this because, you know, we're going to do this. It's in order to prove there's life after death. We, we You know, we people will frown upon it if we take money for it. Um, so Jane and I, um, we went – we went on board with the show. They they asked us, first of all, to go all over Paris and go to the original spots where her and Dodie had been prior to the death. And then it, 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 finally, we had a... <coughs> we had a um, two seances, one in going on in Paris, but one in, in London, which was the most important one. And um, we had around the table sat with us people that knew Diana. I did one section, Jane did another. They put a plant on Jane, someone that didn't know Diana, had never had anything about She immediately spotted it. Jane gave proof and evidence to each of the person, little personal things to each person around the table that only they and Diana knew. And I did the same with the people around my table. They, they were little things, you know, small things. Like the, the most significant, I thought, was the young girl that was um, her secretary, being a private secretary for some time. And I said that you always kept in your pocket a packet of um, uh, pear drops, I said to her. You know, you keep pear drops specifically. You would buy those to put them in your pocket and give one to Diana because she always used to come up to you and say, have you got a pear drop? Right. Now, that people say, oh, pe they come all the way from the spirit world and that's what they say, pear drops. But that was very specific proof to that person. That it was Diana. It was something that couldn't be read in the press. Right. It's something right. And so on, you know. So it's verifiable. And from that evidence, we then moved on to try to ask Diana what had happened, you know, because obviously that's what everybody wanted to know. Mm -hmm. And this is where we really got the, the problem from people because she told us it was an accident. <laughs> uh -huh. There was no MI5 involvement. There was no special flashes. There was no cars being tampered with. There was no this and that. She said it was a tragic accident. We were simply trying to get away from the press. We took a different route and we hit the tunnel. And, of course, that's not what people want to hear. People want to hear that they tried to kill her in the ambulance. People want to hear that she uh, – all these different things. But right. That's what we she gave us anyway. Um, she gave us that, that – that, but what she gave I think was most important – was evidence of survival of death, as it were. You know, that she survived death, that she's in the spirit world, that she's safe and well, and her thoughts and love were for her children, really. Pair drops. Fascinating. Uh, another aspect of, of uh, your remarkable career, Craig, I want to talk about, is um, I guess it started out as a, as a book, and now it's a, a DVD. Uh, this was your mystic journey to India. And... Uh, this, this began with uh, uncovering uh, an oracle um, uh, that, that sort of revealed your fate. Explain what is meant by an oracle. Okay. Well, an oracle basically tells the future. There's lots of different oracles we know around. Things like um, tarot cards are an oracle. The Yi Ching's an oracle. Um, uh, pendulums can be used as an oracle. All sorts of things are used as oracles. But this is different this is one that was is in India, and it's um, it's 
believed to be about 5,000, some say 10,000 years old, and it's been written and rewritten and rewritten on palm leaves throughout history. Every 400 years or 500 years, the carbon dated about 500 years, these palm leaves. Oh, they're rewritten, right? And um, on it, <laughs> it was incredible, is the whole story of one's life. Now, I have to first of all say that there's a lot of fakes out there. There's and there's a hell of a lot of fakes, you know. So one has to tread with caution if one tries to seek this, track this down. But I was really lucky because I had got to know an Indian person really very well. And we talked about finding this oracle because uh, I'd heard about it. This is way before the – this is right back when I first got my domain name, psychics.co.uk. We were sort of um, – put an information back and forth by email between ourselves so we got to know each other very well and then i we were talking about this this oracle and and he said and one then years later in 2000 and uh, when would it have been now 2006 uh no 2000 so, so 2016 he, he he said craig i found it i found it and basically what we did is we set up a skype um I set up a Skype thing with somebody in India, with the Oracle reader in India. But to make sure there's absolutely no, he wanted to check out if it was true as much as I did. So when I did the um, connections with him, I made sure there was absolutely no way he could find anything out about me. So I, I used a, a fake email address. I used fake Skype address. I put misleading information everywhere on it. I gave the wrong name. Everything like that. It was so that when the connection was made, and we, we didn't connect with me to Skype until after they found the leaf. Now, they find the leaf by looking at a thumbprint, right? And that thumbprint will help them identify the leaf. So first of all, we went through a leaf-finding process, right? So he has to go through the leaf. Once the thumbprint will find a bundle, and from that, you go through the leaf one at a time until you get to your leaf. And he'd ask mad questions. You know, these weren't questions that were... Uh, loaded or anything like that. He was asking questions like, do you import precious metals? Hmm. No. Have you traded in gold? No. And all these sort of questions. And then he goes through, 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 and then he says, is your ex-wife's name Tina? Yes. Is your wife's name Jane? Is your father's name Donald? Is your mother's name Ethel? Did your father work in the tax office? And he started giving me information that nobody knew about. That specific absolutely 100% my mother's name, my father's name, my brother's name, my sister's name, uh, my ex-wife's name, what I did. I used to be an artist and a painter for some time in life, told me all about that, told me all about my business, told me all about what I'd written, told me about my work as a medium and all these things. And then finally he says, your name is Craig and you were born at 1.30 in the morning on January the 24th. He had enough information in there, actually, to open my bank account. <laughs> oh, my word. Just so that I understand, these leaves that have been recopied, uh, I think you said every 500 years. Yeah. Where does one, where do, where do you find them? In a rare bookstore in New Delhi? I mean, where are they? No, well, the, 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 the leaves were originally, they were originally kept in underneath the temples in India, and they were kept by the kings and they were sacred and nobody was allowed to access them except through special religious rituals and so on to get it. When the British Raj went over, they took the lot. 
and then they they they, were gonna, they, they decided they keep some of them about Ayurvedic medicine and put those in the British Museum, and the rest of them they auctioned off. So these other families bought the leaves and then was able to access them, and they opened up to the public, as it were. So there's groups, and they're kept in libraries in India, special leaf palm leaf libraries, and then the the readers will get find your bundle from that library of leaves. I mean, some of these libraries are sort of like an old hut in the middle of nowhere. You know, that's right. why we're not talking about like the cyber libraries we might think of. Um, and there's a number of different ones. You know, there's there's other ones. There's, there's even leaves that will change in front of your eyes as you're reading it. You know, the say writing, again, say it, the say that again. <laughs> appear, there's one called the Jivanadi, which the writing will appear on the blank leaf as it's being read. Oh my! Now word. I, I've I've consulted it, but I've not watched it do that. But I have had um, my friend. I have a friend in who's been studying this for thirty years. He's been he's been he's just been. These are people I've met since in Denmark who has been following them, researching these ancient oracles, and he has witnessed the writing appear on the leaf. There's another one where they put a silver plate into a fire, and it comes out, and it's written, and the oracle's written on it in English. You know, um, and in these oracles, there's Russian names, there's Korean names. You know, it sound, any logical, sensible person will say, oh, it's a con somehow. It's a con. But I put so many things in place. And not only did I do, do that with one oracle, I tested it six times with six different readers and did it in different ways, each time making more and more disguise around it. So there was no way they could know who I was. And, and it, why and are they, you in why are you in 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 those those leaves or pages? Or is every <coughs> is every life documented in there? That every. Every person that is fated to find it, their name is written in the oracle. So there's there's many thousands of people written in that oracle, but you have to be fated to find it. Hmm. You have to be destined to find that leaf. And it even tells you the time you will find that leaf. And it even the, the, and you've got to be prepared because it even tells you the time of your death and when you're going to die. Is that something you wanted to know? Um, not particularly, but uh, it's, I've got a bit of time to go, thank goodness. But, you know, I did know that, that it would have that in there. And I actually, when I had the dream, I had a dream beforehand of a man called Sai Baba, who's a spiritual yes. man in India. Yes. And he, he, I dreamed I was with him in Varanasi, where they, they burn the bodies. And I thought that dream meant that, that my time had come, that it was time for me to die, because why be in Varanasi, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, as it happened, it was my time to complete the major he said why are you here why are you here why are you here and the oracle said to me you've come to this oracle to find out why you are here right wow. <laughs> you know <laughs> it was just mind-boggling stuff and it, it, it what it gives you basically it tells you your future it tells you what you've got to do with your future and how you've got to work and what you've got to do to make your future to, to get the best possible things out of your life and it gives you remedies to help you get over your bad and negative karma so it helps you get over illnesses i've used it to get to cure illnesses on myself you know crazy things that you do to to get rid of serious problems hmm. and it worked and it, it, it and it tells you things about your life that from my point of view it's just mind-boggling you know i was just things about my past lives and things that i'd done before and it seemed to feel rung true and why certain things happen in your life and where you're going to go and basically it picked up on jane and my spiritual work and said you know do it all for free you know 
and it's saying you're going to open a charity and work for this charity. So what we've done is followed what it said. And the work we get, the, the money we make from doing our public work as mediums, we just put into this charity and we use that to help people, you know, to help the poor in India. We've helped, we've helped orphans and we've helped buy people cows, you know, because that can change a person's life. You sure. buy an old person a cow. Sure. And things like this, and we want to open centres with it. So we opened up our thing called the Hamilton Parker Foundation. It's just me really getting started. But I thought, what a great model it's given me there, you know, because it can take all... You know, I've, I've got an income now from other things, from the website and things. That gives me an income. But it's nice to be able to do your work just for the love of it, you know. Yes, and I thought, yes. this is a good model. This is a model that me, Jane, and others perhaps can can, can, can follow to do the, our work with, with real love. So you went over there You after this was all conducted by Skype. Then you went to India. What was what was then the, the, the next step for you? Were, were you to... As, as part of your sort of epic mission that you were given by the Oracle? Well, it gave me remedies to do. Now, the, the remedies are strange things because they're like rituals. You have to do rituals in, in, um, in the Indian temples. I had to climb certain mountains. I had to um, go to very holy places. I had to meet a Siddha yogi, which is like a, a, a yogi that has certain powers. And um, that was a fascinating story, for example, because I, I, um, I had, this man sleeps in a fire. He sleeps. He doesn't walk in a fire. He sleeps he in a fire. He sleeps in a right? fire. Sleeps, and he's, he's, he's got red eyes, look like really strange, burning red eyes, you know, and he's all covered in what they call the booty ash, all this grey ash, and his hair is a great matte, looks like Marge Simpson, but more matted. You know? <laughs> I saw him in the sizzle reel uh, on your website, yes. I'm and, I'm, and in that, he calls me over and tells, and I, uh, calls me over to him, and I touch his feet, and then he, he speaks in Tamil to mm -hmm. the man that's with me and my translator. And what he said, he repeated word for word the things that had been said in the oracle, you know? Wow. So I got confirmation. And we met him at the exact time it said in the oracle would, we would meet him. As, you know, they give it in astrological terms when Mercury enters so-and-so and such. Well, it was just unbelievable. But as it happened, when before I was, I, I planned to do this and go, but... Um, I, I've been working with a lot of film stuff with my friend Louis Frost, who is a film producer. And I said, Louis, I'm going to go to India. Can we get a cameraman to come with me? So he scurried around and found someone that was prepared to come along with me. He had a, 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 what's called a red camera. It's a yes, inappropriate for what we needed. That's good top of the line, for, top of the line. Top yeah. of the line. Not really very good for running around temples with, though. But he came with me. We put it all on. We put it all on to film. He caught all of this on film, and it became, you know, and we made a three-part documentary out of it. That we've, um, I wrote a book around it called Mystic Journey to India, and we're actually hoping to, we, we, we put it on DVD, but we're hoping to get it on, on Netflix or something, hopefully. But it's not easy to get into these companies. But it's all top quality stuff. It's all, um, and I think people will absolutely love it once it gets out there. But it's a very difficult one to place. You can imagine. Sure. You know, it's how, so mind-boggling. <laughs> how did you? How did uh, Eric Roberts, the the brother of Julia Roberts, terrific actor? How did he get involved? Well, that was that was before we did this. We went to just before I went to India. I went to America with Jane to do some um, psychic readings and things over there. And Eric Roberts was prepared to let us put at the top end of the show. We'd given a reading with Eric Roberts, and. And, you know, it's sort of to give your credibility, as it were, you know, you, you, you say, oh, I'm a psychic medium. And the people say, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a psychic medium. But we had right at the top of the show a few examples of us giving some readings, Jane and myself. 
And then Eric Roberts given a really good testimonial about the reading that Jane and I had given to him, um, in which we connected with his father, who, who told us all sorts of things about his life. And, you know, he was quite shocked, I think, because, um, you know, we were saying things to him that you know nobody knew. Remarkable. So the um, the journey to India uh, in the in the Oracle, uh, was there anything about I, I'm trying to think of a sort of a comparison from my faith tradition, which I'm an Orthodox uh, Orthodox Christian. And I seem to recall, you know, something about the Book of Life um, or the Lamb's Book of Life, I think it's called. Uh, is there anything in that oracle pertaining to your sort of karma and and uh, things that you need to undo in this life? Um, yes, it does. It, it points out negative things you've done in the past and positive things you've done in the past. And um, these are kind of listed um, in your past life stuff. Right. And, it was, you know, you've done this and, you know. Was that, difficult, was that difficult to listen to? Uh, yes, some of it was. Um, uh, I, a lot of it was quite positive in mine. It said, because I always thought, where did I get this from? It's, apparently, I was a Rishi in a previous existence. Um, but, um, but then somebody else who I've introduced, because I've introduced other people to the Oracle since. I mean, one lady I introduced recently, um, it told her she poisoned her brother, right? And she'd murdered her brother. Mm. And it all seemed to ring true to her. You know, and she started to do the remedies to change that. And one of the things it said in her predictions is it said that you're in a very dangerous time because you could be hospitalized in a car accident. Right. So ooh, I thought, God, what am I doing? Letting this woman in for this. This is mm. against all trade descriptions, although I'm not charging anybody for these things. But um, and then she was telling her friend about it. And, so, and, then, it, and then it said that we are being in a car accident. And as she said it, a car hit her from behind. Oh, it was just a minor accident and she stepped out perfectly all right because she'd done the rituals mm. you see she'd done the karmic rituals to, so it happened but it didn't harm her and and other things have done have happened like this that happened but they escaped from it so it certainly brings it home to people and myself you know when events unwind as it said makes you wonder if you have any you know is destiny set but we can change destiny by our good actions. So particularly charitable work is, you know, doing good unto other people is one of those things that opens your path <coughs> and clears your your negative karma. Excuse my God. Quite all right. Craig, I have to tell you, I, um, I have enjoyed this conversation immensely. What a delight meeting you, and I thank you so much. Uh, for uh, staying up very early or very late, depending on your point of view, and, and joining me tonight. That's fine, Richard. Thank you. It's been very interesting. And uh, again, the website is psychics.co.uk, and uh, your book's about 15, I think, by my calculation, available at uh, Amazon. Yes, the, uh, I think the one that people might enjoy most, actually, is my book called Messages from the Universe, because that explains a little bit about Diana in there, a little bit about the India trip and some of the work we've done uh, and of some of the physical medium stuff. So that's probably the most interesting one people would find, Messages from the Universe. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank Greg. you. Bye-bye. Night-night. All right, there are some Christmas leftovers in the icebox with my name on them, so I'm going to sneak upstairs and get me some. Hoping there's still a little stuffing left over. There's never enough. 
It goes too quickly, am I right? Uh, But of course, before all of that, I want to tell you what's coming up on episode 11 of Conspiracy Unlimited. But first, let me ask you, have you heard about this free guide you can download? It contains a list of online power tools to make you more efficient, secure, even boosts your income. And best of all, this online toolbox guide is absolutely free. How do you get it? It's simple. Visit freebusinesstoolbox.com and get your copy while they last. This guide has some of the very same online tools that successful business owners use every day, and each one is highly recommended. I know there are a lot of websites out there. They offer a special giveaway like this, but then they want to stick you with a recurring program or some other deal. But this isn't like that. There's no hidden thing to try, no credit card needed, and no cost whatsoever. Bright Biz is literally giving away this online toolbox guide completely free as a means of putting their best foot forward. But this is a limited time offer. So grab your free guide today and take your business and your income to the next level. Visit freebusinesstoolbox.com and get your free guide to 36 online power tools. That address again, freebusinesstoolbox.com. Coming up on episode 11 of Conspiracy Unlimited, Alien Abductions and the Bible, with documentary filmmaker Ali Siadatan. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.